welcome back to the Soda Pop podcast. Um, I'm Selena. I'm here solo today. My boss actually told me to say it's the Selena show, but uh, <laughs> anyways, this will be my last episode with you guys. Um, and today we are here with Miss Stacy Lee from the Disability Support Services. So um, could you just tell us a little bit about your DSS program? Yes, um, so we are located in the Gallaudet University Center in the GUC. Uh, we are here to assist students who have diagnosed disabilities in uh, their accommodation needs for the classroom, housing, meal plans. And so if they have a diagnosis that impacts them and their functional limitations, then they need to come see us so that we can assist. Um, we are across from the Lion's Den, down from Panda Express. So we're in that corner. Um, students can come see us right now with the pandemic. We ask that they go ahead and do their passport and have that ready to show to us when they get there or when, we, when they get here. And then um, also they can call and schedule an appointment. We can complete those by Zoom or in person. So um, are they required to disclose their disabilities to UNA? Um, only if they're seeking accommodations. We have students on campus who are diagnosed with disabilities, and because they are not seeking accommodations, then they have not disclosed. Um, it is totally their um, decision in higher education to disclose. Now, the only way to get accommodations is to disclose, and so then they would definitely contact our office um, they would request those accommodations, disclose their um, diagnosis. And so it's a really easy process. Um, you contact the office, you schedule an appointment. Um, we give you a link and basically you can go and visit our website on the university website. It's UNA um, Disability. And so when you get there, there is a button that says registering with our office and it's the DSS portal. Um, you can go there, you do the application, you upload documentation. And what I tell students is if you don't have documentation or you think, oh, I haven't had any testing since second grade, I don't even know where that is. Go ahead and call the office, schedule an appointment, get in here with us. Do not let that stop you because we want to go ahead and start the process and have a conversation with you about what's going on. What is something that we can help you assist um, until we can get that documentation? And what are some other options potentially to get the documentation to us if you're not able to locate it? So um, is there like an option that the university offers when it comes to getting doc documentation, such as using our health services, or does it have to be? Um, our health services usually does not provide documentation because um, this would be a physician who has not only documented, uh, they're the person who has diagnosed you with the condition, they're the person who is treating you, um, they're the one who's going to know your functional limitations. So um, we have documentation guidelines on the website and everybody is going to be a little different just because it's a very individualized process. We meet with students individually and we talk to them on a case-by-case -case scenario to determine what is gonna be best for them. And so somebody can have the same exact diagnosis, for example, ADHD and dyslexia, but yet it may impact them and the way that they work 
in different ways. And so we look at that and we say, okay, well, what is going to be most helpful in the classroom for this person? So what kind of accommodations do you offer students with disabilities? So it's, like I said, it's very individualized. So accommodations are actually determined on a case-by-case individual assessment. And so what we do is we review the documentation. We have the students who actually provide us like a written statement. It's called an impact statement. What I like to say is that it gives them a voice. It gives them a way to just tell us exactly how their diagnosis impacts them. And then they're going to meet with a coordinator and we're going to have a conversation. They may may meet with myself or Jeremy. And through that conversation, we're going to say, what has worked? What hasn't worked? And what that is called is it's called the, um, you know, interpersonal um, dialogue processing, individualized process. Okay. And so we want to know what is your case situation? What What are your strengths? What are your needs? Um, what have you potentially had before? What's impacting you now? Are you impacted in the classroom? Is it outside the classroom? So it's very individualized, but um, accommodations can vary from recording lectures to a text reader, um, to assistance with audiobooks, to extended time testing. But again, it's on that individualized basis. Um, This is just a a curiosity thing that I was wondering. Um, Is there any way to set up an appointment with someone else calling on your behalf? Um, Say they know your situation, like a parent or a guardian knows your situation and can get you that information. So can they make that appointment on the student's behalf? That is a great question. I'm so glad that you asked it because I did not think about that. But no, we actually want the students to contact us themselves. And here's why. Um, because of confidentiality, students need to contact because they're going to be the one to schedule an appointment. And here's what I tell new students coming in, especially freshmen, you know, this is your first time. K-12 was very different in the fact that maybe your student, I mean, um, your teachers were involved, your parents were involved. And so now what we want to do is we want to help you transition and to know how to advocate for yourself and how to, um, call. And so this is what I tell them. If you're, if you need to, you can absolutely call with your parent or guardian sitting there beside you. You can absolutely, you know, um, have them there. I know with uh, Zoom interviews right now and assessments and phone calls, um, we, we say, you know, we, your parent can be there. We try to meet with the student when we want to meet with the student individually, initially, and then Sometimes they don't know, like, I don't know when I was originally diagnosed. I need to go, I need to ask my mom or I need to see what my, what medications I'm on. And that's great. And so what we do is we want to start those first steps of them becoming um, more independent and definitely learning how to take those self-advocacy steps. So that's a great question. I'm so glad that you asked. But yeah, they need to be the ones to call and schedule the appointment Um, But sure, their parent can be there on the phone with them or sitting next to them, but we're going to actually have that conversation with them. Oh, that's awesome. Um, And really good to know as well. Um, But uh, 
has COVID affected, you know, meetings? Like I know you mentioned Zoom meetings were now taking place. So um, are you still doing in-person? Um, is there social distancing? Like how is that working now? Yeah. So when you enter our office right now, what we are asking is that you go ahead and do your safety check, your health check. You need to have your passport available for when you walk in to show. Um, we are still doing appointments in person. We can do them in person by Zoom, or um, if you're already established with us, then you can go ahead and do a phone call. What I mean by that is like your um, like a follow-up appointment we can do by phone, but the initial appointments definitely need to be either in person or by Zoom. Um, in-person appointments, uh, we wear a mask, and <laughs> the person coming in wears a mask. And we have um, little things on our floor to mark the six feet. Um, we have hand sanitizer everywhere. And um, we have a mask available if somebody happens to forget theirs. We have a few here in our office available as well. So we are taking precautions. Um, it, as far as our you know, resources and protocols, none of that has changed. Everything is still in the same process. Um, if anything, it's actually allowed us to be able to offer programming in a in a new venue, in a different venue that actually has been um, convenient for some students more so than trying to get here on campus. So it's actually um, changed maybe for a positive. Um, speaking of COVID and like the resources changing, I know some students have a really hard time learning online. I know personally, I have a difficult time with online learning and, you know, being self-disciplined and having to do all of your work with no guidance from a teacher or something like that. And so I was wondering, do you offer any new resources because of the switch over to online learning, like um, in-person tutoring or anything like that? So our office does not offer um, specific tutoring. We do all the, we refer everybody to the Student Success Center um, or to talk with their professor or to uh, potentially look and see if that department is offering any type of tutoring. So just like everyone else, um, they have the same opportunity for tutoring that everyone on campus has. Um, now, what, what we do have, though, is once a week we do what's called group um, learning sessions. And these have been offered for as long as I've been here. Um, we developed them in a way that students would learn several skills over time. Um, for example, time management, organization, communication, um, how to use a calendar, how to use a planner. All of these things are um, covered and reviewed more than once. Usually there's a, a little bit here and a little bit there about how to use these skills and develop those. Um, anything that's offered at the Success Center, we really want students to take advantage of in those programming. But what these do is they help um, students with disabilities to potentially break down the information in a way to, to ensure that they can understand it. And I'm not talking like assignments, but like how to break those assignments down, how to break down the big um, reading assignments and make it manageable for them, or how to utilize certain technologies or resources to help them to be able to um, process and have access to the information. Because what ultimately our office and accommodations are, are set for is to ensure access, 
not necessarily success. Um, so we want to make sure that we are leveling the playing field so that everybody has an opportunity to show their knowledge and understanding. Are these group learning sessions open to all students or just specifically to those who have disclosed their disabilities? Um, currently, students who are registered with our office are, are able to come to these. Um, they have to know us in some way because we um, send out the Zoom link for those each week. We do get referrals from other places. For example, um, sometimes the university case manager may refer someone down here and just say, can you work with them? Um, and it may be that we're also working with them, though, to get testing completed um, or where they may be learning. So, you know, it may be something that we can open up at some point, um, but it's uh, with it being being a, a single group, but I think that's a, an awesome idea to consider. Um, so they are taking place via Zoom now, so you don't have those in person. No, we, we do not have those in person, and we've actually had a higher attendance rate by Zoom um, because I think it's just uh, convenient, and I think people can do it from their couch. They can learn from wherever they're comfortable um, and not have to take time to travel here, travel there. And so, and our groups usually are about 30, sometimes 40 minutes, but usually we try to keep it 30 minutes because we know um, people have about, a, you know, 25 minute attention span and then we got to move on. So. Yeah, I, I will say the one thing I like about online classes is I can have my pajama bottoms on still um, while I'm at home. <laughs> but <laughs> that's just one of the perks. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh so you mentioned already that like students really need to take this initiative now that they're college students getting that independence and I think that's a wonderful opportunity for them to start because they're still getting the support of the college but they're also, you know, breaking away from the home environment, breaking away from the like you know, I, even I Mom, can you schedule a doctor's appointment for me? You know, I, yeah. I do my own now. I do my own now. Um, but it took me a long time to order off the menu by myself, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put that. I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I saw on your website that you actually had some scholarship opportunities for students. And I was wondering if you could give us any details or requirements for those. So those are not scholarships that we offer through the university. They are actually just scholarships that have been, information has been given to us and it's different um, programs or maybe it's through a different organization or agency and they have these available. And so they the, the information really changes sometimes week to week, month to month. We try to keep it as updated as we can. Um, but a lot of times we just tell students to go look there and see if they see anything. Um, we also refer them. It's not for free, but it's golly. And so that is an option where I think you can pay a couple of dollars, put in some different information about yourself, and it will ask you all kinds of information like, are you left-handed? Are you right-handed? What, you know, religious affiliations, different diagnosis, you know, ethnicity, all different things. And it will actually do a search for you. 
And so we, we definitely tell students about that. But a lot of times for students with disabilities, it takes longer than four years um, to graduate either because they have to take a smaller course load or potentially, you know, they just have to have another semester. And that's okay. We tell our students all the time, you know, you have your own journey. You have your own way of getting to your goals. And that is great. That is fine. But what happens is sometimes they run out of financial aid or sometimes their scholarship is only for four years. So we definitely want people to look at our website and say, is this something potentially that can assist me? So I don't know if you guys heard that, but their website is an amazing source for scholarship opportunities, for learning about financial aids and what your options are. So definitely look at that because I know college Uh, Some people might not think that's an option for them because of the cost. So definitely take advantage of these resources on their website. You just go to UNA, you type in Disability Support Services or UNA Disability, and you'll find them on there. Um, But I also, on your website, found out about the Delta Alpha Pi uh, Honor Society. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about their mission statement and what their requirements are. Sure. So um, Delta Alpha Pi is an international honor society. Uh, We actually started uh, the honor society. This is our second year. Yes. So we've had two initiations. Um, We are the 150th chapter, Zeta Zeta chapter. Um, The Delta Alpha Pi actually started in um, Pittsburgh in 2004 and really what it is is it's an opportunity for students to challenge the stereotypes and negative perceptions of students with disabilities and how they're doing this is because they're getting recognized and acknowledged as um, a leader and having academic um, achievements and accomplishments and so Um, Students have to have a certain grade point average and complete, I think it's 24 hours as an undergrad. And then for grad, they have to have a certain GPA and complete, I believe, 12 or 18 hours. But all of that information, again, our website has what those guidelines are and what what activities they do. And really, it's a great mission um, for our... um, people who are involved with that, to take a leadership opportunity, um, to learn how to advocate again and educate others, and really to bring a a different awareness to um, the campus and community. I know um, in September, the the Honor Society and our peer mentoring program worked with Healthy Lions Council and um, Counseling Center Services to bring a suicide awareness event and so it was called love yourself and it was where you could get popsicles and positive affirmations and so you know it's it's just about getting awareness out there because there are so many mental health um, issues and just invisible disabilities I mean we know that there are 67 million people out there and about one out of every four I'm I'm sorry like three out of four have an invisible disability. And so that's 47 million people that you would never know that they have a diagnosis because they, um, you can't see it. It's an invisible disability. 
So this is a great opportunity to have that awareness. Yeah, having a disability is nothing to be ashamed of. I definitely agree that there is a stereotype about it, about how um, success is going to be, you know, less possible. Um, But in reality, uh, I'm a theater major and I have a teacher or I had a teacher. He just left um, and he is a professor, a professor with the highest uh, an MFA, which is a Master of Fine Arts. That's the highest you can get um, in theater highest level of education. He became a professor and he had dyslexia. He could not, um, uh, there were certain numbers and letters that he would switch around and he's a theater professor. So, I mean, this man is reading plays every day. This man is teaching other students. So, I mean, you can't let that hold you back. Like there's, there's no shame in it. And he took advantage of the, um, resources that his university offered because they would give him more time for tests they would allow him to uh, have it read to him instead of, you know, having to read it and getting confused. I mean, and he just worked through it too. Now he has learned different ways to read plays now that he's not a student anymore and doesn't have these resources. He learned from them how he can uh, use his own resources at this point to be successful. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. You can become a professor. You can become... Yeah. Yeah, you can invisible. do anything. And, and that's the thing, Selena, that you were talking about as, uh, you know, now he doesn't have those resources because he's not in college. Well, actually, as a person covered under the ADA, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act and amendments, he can get those resources. So he needs to contact HR. He needs to contact his supervisor and talk to them because what we talk to our students about is, when you leave college, you need to know how to self-advocate. You need to know who to go to to ask for those things. And I know Jeremy would not mind me telling you this because he tells everybody he's very open, but he's our director here in our office and he uses assistive technology. So he has a text reader and he's able to use a microphone for it to dictate his emails. And so even if you are not a person with a disability, you still could benefit from being able to listen to the text as you are reading along. That's called multi-format learning. Or you can even potentially, I mean, we've all now got this great technology at the tip of our hands where we can talk and it will capture what we're saying. And then that way we can go back, listen to it and make edits to it. So there's no shame in needing to use technology or having to have accommodations. At the end of the day, again, it's leveling that playing field to make sure that you have the opportunity to show your knowledge. And there are so many celebrities out there who have a a visible or invisible diagnosis. I don't know, this may be showing my age, but I mean, Tom Cruise has dyslexia. I'm sure everybody knows who that is. Um, you know, and so he would actually take the tapes, have someone to read out the script, and that's how he would memorize it. He didn't I, had, it. I had no idea that he had dyslexia, but yeah. I mean, that gets you thinking. I will say that professor was very much an advocate for using our resources. I don't think I've ever heard another professor talk as much about using these resources, um, but we really want our students to be successful and like... Yeah having that accessibility that while it it's 
an additional resource for you. It's not like it's an aid. Like this is making the playing field level. Like you were mentioning earlier, I may not need someone to read that to me because I don't have dyslexia, but he, he does. And that'll make it an even playing field because you know, some people just don't have certain things that other people do. And uh, what is that? Don't tell a fish to climb a tree and, and then expect it to. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's that saying of, you know, if you ask a monkey and a fish to climb a tree, just because the fish isn't able to, I mean, it can do something else the monkey can't do. So absolutely. Water. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, um, do you have any any upcoming events? I know you mentioned uh, the peer uh, services, the peer. Yes. So we have a peer mentoring program. Um, we don't right now have anything for the, the spring. We are working on that. October is actually our busiest month. And the reason is um, because this is actually um, Disability Awareness Month. And there's actually a part of October that's Dyslexia Awareness Week. And so you can wear red and all of that. Um, but all the time we have a peer mentoring program. This program is, um, it started about three years ago. I guess we're in our fourth year now. And so what we did was we started with freshmen and transfer students. Um, they will be the mentee. And then the mentor can be a junior, sophomore, um, senior, or graduate student with or without a disability. So anybody can be a mentor. So if you're interested in just working with another student and, um, you know, that student just happens to have a diagnosis, then this is a great way. It's a, a, an excellent mentoring pro- program to help um, people get used to campus. What's on campus? Where do I park? You know, where is the wrap? Where is the success center? Where are these things? Um, sometimes it's just that. Sometimes it's a weekly, you know, text, hey, how are things going? Conversation, coffee, lunch, whatever you're able to do um, is great. And so what we do is we have all of that information again on our website. We have certain criteria, grade point average, of course, um, we do an interview, and that's to help us to figure out who to pair people with. Um, but once a month, we do an activity where all the mentees and mentors can get together. And sometimes we have folks from our honor society also participate. Um, but last spring, we did like a vision board where you can do a visual, what's your goals, um, short term, long term. Last September, we did a kayaking lesson. We've actually partnered with an academic class to be able to do some outdoor rec stuff. Um, We did a a bonfire last summer, I mean, last fall and pumpkin carving um, last week or a couple of weeks ago, we did a paint party. We did a paint party in the spring. So um, this year, we were able to go to the intramural field and spread out on our tables and <laughs> paint away. And so um, that's a great opportunity for other folks to get to know other folks with a disability because the thing of it is, is people aren't walking around with, I have a disability. And so you could be sitting in a class with someone and you both use services in the Disability Support Services Office, but neither one of you know it unless you run into each other. And so that's why we try to have um, a couple of times a year, we may do like an open house 
or we try to do some type of activity. So that way you get to see you're not alone. I mean, there are 400 other students serve through our office. And again, those are the ones registered with us. There's other students who aren't because they may have a diagnosis, but they don't need the accommodations. So we try to just have different events for those to connect. Um, it actually sounds like a lot of fun. And I know personally, even as a student who doesn't have a disability, some of those resources that you offer like are really like doing a vision board. That's actually really good advice, even just for anyone, for anyone to do. Um, and so if you're not eligible for um, being a mentee, maybe try being a mentor because these are great resources to have. And it sounds like a blast. Like I would love to go kayaking and stuff. So yeah, people are marking off their bucket list. They're like, okay, kayak, you know, uh, we had one student who was not a student registered with our office who came and they, you know, didn't have a disability and they were like, it was the first time they ever carved pumpkin. And I thought, wow, okay, you needed that experience. And so we want everyone to have the opportunity to, you know, just come together because this is another form of diversity. I mean, it really is. This is the most diverse group. And you know what? You could join this group at any time because heaven forbid you have an accident and you are left disabled. Now, I hope that never happens to anybody, but the resources are out there, even whether it's at college or in the workplace or in other agencies. So it's great to know that those services are there. Um. So I know that one way that for students to like support um, the disability support services is by being a mentor, but like, what are some other things that we can do to help support you guys? Um, I think a lot of it is just making sure that you are aware of the resource. Just like you said, you know, if you hear of somebody saying, you know, I have this condition and I really don't know where to go. It's a great opportunity to say, well, I heard about this office. Let, let's, let's go see where that is. Or let me, let's look it up on the website. Or let's go get connected somehow. Um, another thing is just being aware as, you know, a, a student with your fellow students about, you know, the language that you use and, and making sure that you are conscientious. Um, I know there's lots of words that we don't want to use in our language that are offensive and so even sometimes again because it is an invisible disability that you may not see it might prohibit somebody from being open or being you know able to to say just because of of some of the words or terms that that you may use so just that self-awareness and that that's for everybody just to in all all things, just to be aware and conscientious of other people's experiences. You never know who's in the room, right? Just be mindful and be kind. Um, that's always good advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Jeremy, I think I have to say, would say, you know, also be respectful of their abilities. Just because they have a, a, a diagnosis or a disability, you know, if they're in a wheelchair, don't go up and start pushing them. If somebody needs help, you can offer help. But if they say no, then that's okay. They have their right to self-determination to continue to do what they can do. And so don't just jump in there and be happy helper. You know, um, 
sometimes, you, you know, let them try or, you know, let them say to you, do you mind to get the door? Do you mind this? And offering is nice, but not just coming and doing. Um, I will say as a person who um, tries to be very independent, sometimes it might offend me if someone tries to offer help or um, think that I'm incapable of doing something myself. So I definitely think that if someone needs help, they will let you know. And just once again, being mindful, being kind. Yeah, definitely don't like just jump in there and get your hands in there when no one's asked you because I'm sure you wouldn't like it if they did it to you. So just treat others with what you want to be treated with. Um, And so I think these are lovely like resources and uh, obviously a wonderful staff that we've got here. Um, You're so sweet. (laughs) But, uh, and you did mention earlier that um, sometimes using the resources and technology, you don't necessarily have to have a disability in order to get access to that. So just keep that in mind that if you do need some extra help, maybe recording a lecture or something like that, you can get those resources to you. Um, But do you have any other um, social media or ways to connect? Um, I know we said we can look on your website and their website has great information. Um, They have a video on their website that shows like a little tour of what the office looks like. So you have like an expectation when you get there. So I think that's really neat. But if you have any other ways to connect with you, just let me know. We do. Um, We actually have a Facebook, which I know that's terms now for we old people. Um, We also have Instagram. So hopefully we're more in the know. Um, We have student workers who help me with that post. Thank you, student workers. Um, But we, uh, we wanted people to have that video. And here's why, because what's what's on the other side of that door? I don't know. And so by knowing what's on the other side of that door, um, I think sometimes that helps to reduce the anxiety. And that's why we, we absolutely, if you ever need us to come talk to a group or come talk to, you know, anybody, you know, any type of presentation or, or classes or anything, we just want people to be familiar and say, oh yeah, that's Miss Stacy. You know, I'm just going to go talk to her for a minute. And that's okay because we're on the other side of the door. We're completely approachable and probably one of the least judgmental places on campus. It absolutely, we're all there for our students. I will say you guys have the best looking waiting room of any of the facilities (laughs) I've seen on UNA campus. They have like the purple chairs with like a quote in the background. It's, it's actually very welcoming. So I think that's a little less intimidating too, when going to make your appointment, you're going to know that it's a very welcoming, safe place. Yeah, I have to, I have to credit that to Miss Darlene. She, um, we did a, and, and Dr. Bowers, who was here before, about four or five years ago, we we had to we had to do a little upgrade. It was looking it was looking very 1980s, and so um, it definitely is great. But they Miss Darlene has a, a great eye for that. So yes, thank you. Yeah, um, we are about to run out of time, but it was really, really, really lovely having you on uh, our episode. I'm sad that this is my last one, but it's such an important one. So I'm glad I got to spend it with you. And thank you for joining us. Um, Of course, you guys can contact us at arts at una.edu if you have any questions or feedback. 
And you can check us out on all of our social media with UNA Soda Pop. We're on Facebook as well. So uh, I know I still use it, but then again, I'm a theater major and all theater people use Facebook for some reason. So, uh, (laughs) but we do have an Instagram. We do have a Twitter and check us out and make sure that you take advantage of our resources. UNA really wants you to be successful. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye. Hey guys, make sure to check out all of our social medias. Feel free to send us your feedback at arts at una.edu or through the DMs of any of our social media. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you in the future. This podcast has been brought to you by UNA School of the Arts. Executive producer is Mark Gallegos, co-produced by Selena Fugate and Tyler Hankins. Special thanks to Dr. Terrence Brown and the entire SOTA staff.